I'm so excited. Although it's not the end of the world, it is the end of the year. Amen? And uh, God has brought us through so much. And what's so exciting is this coming year. There's so much in store for us. And God wants us to do what? Two words. Go forward. Go forward. Well, why don't we bow our heads first and let's, let's ask Jesus to bless us with his Holy Spirit. Let's make sure, probably this mic needs to be up a little bit higher. I can see Keith Mulligan going like this with his ear. So, all right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much again for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for blessing us with the song of angels today. And Lord, we come to worship you today because you are our God, our King, our Savior, our Redeemer. But Lord, we don't want our worship just to be the worship of our lips, but the worship of our heart. Jesus, please bless us with the Holy Spirit and guide us. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Well, glad that you guys are here today. I know some of you guys are visitors. Some of you guys are returning back after a long hiatus. We are glad that you are in the house of God today, amen? And we hope you continue to come back. God is doing some very special things here and it's exciting. And every person, every, every believer should be a worker for God. Amen? And that's what series is all about. And we want to see God take it to the very next level. Now we're going to be looking at something very interesting today. One of my favorite Bible passages. And it's the story of the wise men. So everybody take your Bible. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. You know, not being raised a Christian... Part of my uh, very first or primary introduction to Christianity was during Christmas time. Although my dad was not a Christian, oftentimes he would have us, just because of the season, he would have us watch a movie about Jesus Christ. And one of my very first introductions to Jesus was watching him on the big screen. And uh, this was when I was first introduced to Jesus and the nativity and the whole the whole plan of redemption. It was my very first just introduction to it. So interesting, I, uh, as I was becoming a Christian, my dad had a cabinet full of idols. And I'd go into this, and I would see a Krishna idol, I would see a Ganesh idol, and it was so hilarious because uh, my dad, he just wanted to make sure he had all the bases covered. He also had a little statue of Mary and a little statue of Joseph but the baby Jesus was missing. And it was still considered worship from my father and the best of knowledge that he had. But this was my introduction to Christianity. And God used those seeds and he began to just to water those seeds. One of my favorite stories in all the Bible is the story of the wise men. So everybody, let's go there. Matthew chapter 2 starting with verse 1. Matthew chapter 2 starting with verse 1. Now after Jesus was born where? In Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Now this is extremely important. When you go to the Gospel of Luke, it also names two men. Caesar Augustus and Quirinius who was in charge of Syria. Now I said this before, but I want to reiterate this point. The great thing about the Bible is that it's a real book that details real people who had real experiences with a real God in real locations. Can you say amen to that? And that's what's so exciting about the scriptures, is that it's a powerful history book as well. So you're not just looking at a cunningly devised fable, you are looking at something so special and something more than just a simple textbook or religious writing, you are looking at the word of God Almighty. Can you say amen to that? Well, let's keep going. 
Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the what? East. Where were these wise men from? From the east. Most scholars believe that they were from what is now known as the country of Iran. These were actually Persians. Something interesting to note is that Jesus said in talking one day to one of his disciples about a centurion, he said, many will come from the east and many will come from the west and they will worship the Son of God. What's interesting, in the very beginning of Christ's ministry, you have magi that were from the east at the very end of Christ's ministry, right before he was about to die in John chapter 12, before he was going to the cross, you actually had Greeks who were from the west. And so this was actually taking place during the time of Christ. People from the east were coming, and people from the west were coming to worship God. Can you say amen to that? But we are introduced to something very interesting. We are introduced to wise men. The Greek word is magi. Now, there's a lot of interesting interpretations about who the magi were. Some people say they were astrologers. Some people say they were astronomers. Ellen White, she, she, she doesn't quite clarify. All she simply says is that these people were philosophers and, she sees these words, they were not idolaters. They were philosophers and they were not idolaters. Does anybody know what the word philosophy means or philosopher? It's two different words. Philos and Sophia. Lover of knowledge. Lover of wisdom. And so you have these philosophers. The Bible just simply says that they went and they were following this star. Well, let's continue with this story. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the what? Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to, what's that next word? Worship him. Now, this is super important. We need to stop right here, but I want you to pay attention to this, okay? The wise men were philosophers. They were individuals who were taking into account the stars, and we don't know how much paganism was mixed into their religion or their background, but all we do know is that they were following a star, the Bible says they saw the star where? Where was the star? Where did it first appear? In the east. In the east. This was not Israel where that star appeared. Now why is that very important? Because Israel was supposed to be the place where God's knowledge was the most clearest. Yet you have a completely pagan area where God gives some type of symbol or sign that he exists. And all that the wise men have is simply this star. It's very interesting, when you go into some of the history of the Magi and you do a little bit of study, you find out that they also had access to one particular book of the Old Testament. It was the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers. Well, what happens in the book of Numbers? You actually have a false prophet by the name of Balaam. What's also interesting is this, is that the Iranians still have many of the writings of Balaam to this day. And you can actually see how far he apostatized. I mean, he's talking about some very strange things. And so a lot of scholars say that these magi, all they simply had were the writings of Balaam. When you actually read the book of Numbers, you find that there was a prophecy that Balaam gave that a star would appear. And sure enough, these wise men, all they see is this star. They don't have the rest of scriptures. All they know is that God is doing something very special, and it's with the Jewish people. And so what happens is that they begin to take an extremely long, long, long journey. And when they get there, watch what the response of everybody was. Take a good look at verse 3. 
When Herod the king had what? Heard this. He was, what's that next word? Troubled. Now pay attention to the next phrase. And and all Jerusalem with him. I was doing a little bit more study about the Magi. It's interesting that uh, when you actually take a good look at some of the history, you see that the Magi have actually been part of other parts of history. Emperor Nero, there's actually a document that records that the Magian king, actually, he was the king of the Magi, visited Emperor Nero, and when these Magi came, they came with a long caravan. I mean, it was noticeable when these people showed up. They didn't look like the rest of the Jews. And so here you have this train, you can imagine, of camels and horses. And you have, we don't know if they're exactly three wise men, but the Bible says that there were wise men, more than one. And they probably had this caravan. And you can imagine, they're coming into Israel at a very unusual time. There's a lot of political turmoil. People aren't sure what God is up to. A lot of people have lost faith. The Pharisees have corrupted the religion. And so at this very unusual time, a bunch of visitors show up. Very strange. And you can imagine as they're coming into this, their caravan is coming in, that all of a sudden everybody stops and begins to stare. Who are these strange looking people? You know, it's funny, being Indian, sometimes I, uh, I would be invited to some of my friends' house when I was younger, and they were all white. And uh, they'd be inviting me to their family get-together, and I'd show up, And all of a sudden, it was the most awkward time because everyone would stop and just kind of look at me. I'm one of the relatives. (laughs) But here's the thing. You can imagine all these people just showing up through Israel and they're making their way through and they get to the king. Watch what the Bible says next because this is going to explain why they were actually troubled. Let's keep going. And when they had, excuse me, go to verse 3. And when Herod heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, this is extremely important. Do not miss this point. I'm actually going to preface it by a question. Why do you think everyone was troubled when these wise men showed up? Raise your hand. What do you think the answer might be? What do you think? Okay, so why would they be troubled? They might have been missing it. Okay, anybody else? Who wants to take a shot? Why was all of Israel troubled when these wise men were showing up looking for the king of the Jews? Daniel. They had knowledge they didn't have. Okay, very good. Anybody else? Yes. A different race. That's a possibility. Anybody else? Why were these, why was all the Jews troubled? Why was Israel troubled about the, the visiting of these wise men? I'm sorry, what? Okay, maybe the, everybody was troubled because the king was upset. The Jews had a belief that only Israel would be sort of the recipients of the Messiah and the Gentiles would be forced into submission. They had a different view about the Gentiles coming to the Messiah, what that actually meant. But I want you to understand something. I really believe something's very important taking place here, and that is they were jealous. There was jealousy. You want to know why there was jealousy? Because these were supposed to be the people who had all the truth. And now you have a group of people who were showing up who apparently had such a desire and passion to find the Messiah, and they themselves weren't looking for him at that time. And so everybody was worried because maybe they were thinking to themselves, what if the Messiah is calling somebody other than us? And fear began to prevail over all of Israel. But these men, these wise men who just had this star, 
all of a sudden the star leaves and now this is extremely important. The reason why they went to, to Jerusalem, you want to know what was in Jerusalem that was so important? What was in Jerusalem? You had the temple which was supposed to be the what of Israel? The very center of worship, okay? And you had the king's palace there. So if you were coming to find the king of the Jews, logically, where would you go if you were going to the country? You would go to the capital. And sure enough, they go there, go all the way to the capital, but guess what? He's not there. Let's see what happens next. Verse 5, so they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, for you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, or Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, then Herod, when he had secretly caused the wise men, called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go, search carefully for the young child, that when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him. In fact, when you study the life of Herod, you find out that this man was a man who was a very jealous king. His sons were jealous, and it was through a lot of violent uprising that these kings were able to take their position. In fact, one of the sons of Herod was also known for executing all the other brothers. Like father, like son. And so when Herod thought to himself, you know what, there better not be another opposer to the throne. And so he sends out the wise men, why don't you guys go find this guy? Why don't you guys go out there and look for him? And when you have actually found him, now this is super important, because do you know what the king actually inquires about when he's talking to the wise men? What specific question does he ask the wise men? The time of what? When the star appeared. Now, the king already had knowledge where the Messiah was supposed to be born. He did not have knowledge, and neither did the Jews, of when it was actually supposed to happen. And so when you started seeing all these people coming out of nowhere, folks, this should be a, a sign to us. God's about to do something big. Amen? God's about to do something really, really, really big. And sure enough, this was happening. Let's see what happens next. It's very interesting. Verse 9, when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. All of a sudden, you know what reappears as they begin to journey? The star. Now, this is extremely significant because this is a lesson to us. The star only appeared when they were searching. When they stopped searching, when they came to the, where Israel was, the star was gone. And then all of a sudden, they begin their journey the star reappears. God's light will continue to appear to us as we continue to search him. Can you say amen to that? And that's why it's extremely important for the people of God to always be in this forward momentum of seeking after God. And many of you guys here who are here for the first time or maybe you're returning back, I really want to let you know the star is shining today. Amen? But you have to keep searching. If you stop searching and tell yourself, well, I'm okay, I'm satisfied with all I, what I know and what I am, folks, the light will not shine. The Bible says the path of the just shines like the shining sun, which shines ever perfect, more, brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. Can you say amen to that? So as you continue walking, the star or the light will become brighter and brighter. Amen? And this is extremely important for us. We need to be in a continual searching. Do you know what the word disciple means? It means learner. There should never be a point in our life when we think to ourselves, I don't have anything to learn. If you think to yourself, you can't learn anything more, you don't know God. 
Amen? Because he's an infinite God who has infinite wisdom. Amen? And he wants to share much more with you. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33, verse 3, call upon him and he will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Amen? And so these wise men, they begin to search. But I want you to also pay attention to something. What did the priest and the scribes do? They searched the scriptures. Well, it seemed like they didn't really search the scriptures. It seemed like they already knew the scriptures. But what did they do? What did they do when the wise men came to them? Did they do anything else after that? Did they say, we need to send out a search party? They didn't. In fact, you know what the book Desire of Ages says right here? This is extremely important. It really shook me when I read this. She says, here began the rejection of the Pharisees. Why? It was not so much rejection that began the rejection. It was a neglecting that began the rejection. It was a neglecting. Folks, we begin in the light of God's word like no other people. And it's not because we're better than anybody else. In fact, the Bible says because we're the least. But what are we doing with it? Are we neglecting the truths that have been given to us? Because, folks, there are people who are coming from all over the world right now who are learning about these truths like never before. I'm supposed to do a seminar at GYC. One of the things I'm going to be talking about is hell. Do you know there's a new movie coming out? I'm going to be showing the trailer. We're trying to get the movie shown. It's called, Dot, it's called Hell and Mr. Fudge. Have you guys heard of it before? Who's heard this? Okay, it's actually made by Adventists, but what it is, it's the story of a man who was so interested in what hell was actually about, he actually hired a lawyer. He hired a lawyer, and he told the lawyer, what I want you to do, I want you to study out this teaching of hell, and I want you to tell me what your conclusions are. This lawyer begins to study out the concept of hell, and guess what? He comes to the same conclusions as Seventh-day Adventists. Now, here's where it gets so interesting. He got such a backlash from the community, there were so many problems happening because this lawyer came to the conclusion that when God destroys people, it's destruction, it's not this eternal torture that some people push. And so there, there's actually a movie that's been produced, it's called Mr. Fudge and Hell. And it's the story of the journey of this lawyer. I actually have the privilege of corresponding with this guy. Let me just tell you something. Such an interesting conversation. He's older now. And as we're talking, he, you could see that you can just sense this man knew the scriptures. And he was telling me the story of what took place and how the movie's being made and how just they're showing it in different areas right now. And then I said, can I ask you a question? And he's like, I bet you I know what your question is. I said, really, what is that? He says, you're going to ask me if I study the Sabbath out with the same intensity I study out the doctrine of hellfire. I said, how do you know that? He's like, I've talked to a lot of Adventists. <laughs> and uh, he said to me, he's like, let me just be honest, I haven't. But he said, I do believe Saturday is the Sabbath day. And he began to talk to me about the cross of Calvary, how he, this man understands that Jesus didn't just die a regular death, he died the second death. He understands those concepts that we think only Adventists know. But this man is not Adventist. And as I was quizzing him and just asking various questions, I could tell this man has studied the Bible out unbiasedly. And he's come to the same truths that we believe in. Now here's where it gets so interesting. He was telling me, there are a lot of people who are so interested in this truth. I said, really? 
Can you elaborate what you mean by that? He says that he did actually in a, de a debate at Biola University. You know where Biola is? Down in Southern California. It's one of the best known evangelical colleges. There's a debate in the Christian community about hell, how long it actually is. He said that he was told, he was uh, invited to do a debate a few years ago. He said he showed up, and in this debate, half an hour before the debate was actually started, was about to start, he said that the entire auditorium, 400 people max, was completely packed. He then said when it actually started, they had to turn away crowds of people. A lot of people are searching for this truth. They want to know. But then this is where it just, he just really jabbed me with this one right here. <laughs> He said this, and you Adventists, oh, you can see where this is going. You Adventists have this very special truth, and you're hiding it under a rock. I was like, I can't wait to tell the church that. But that's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. Let's go back to our story. Verse 9, and when they had heard the king... They departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over the, where the young child was. Now watch verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with what? Exceedingly great joy. Why? Because they had some indication that this was some divine leading that was taking place. Now watch what happens next. It's so remarkable. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. I looked at the Greek word worship. Do you know it's a very interesting word? It's the word proskunio, which means something so interesting. It's going to startle you in what it means. It's actually, you know, when we read in English, it's the English word worship. But in Greek, are you ready for this? The meaning means kisses. On the hand, like a dog licks the hand of his master. You have these wise men who traveled many miles, many miles who were simply just following the star and a little bit of truth. And they followed the star for many miles and their convictions. And they came to the place where they were supposed to find all the truth, but then all that was given to them was like, well, there's a location. And so they get there, and when they see that star again, they begin to rejoice because they have evidence God is leading them. And as they come into that house, all of a sudden they begin to worship him because they realize that God has been guiding them to this very location. Can you say amen to that? And folks, this is super important for us to understand in our worship of God. Watch what these wise men do next. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gifts that would imply something very special. Gold, representing the, the kingship of Jesus. Frankincense, representing the priesthood of Jesus. And myrrh, representing the sacrifice of Jesus. His roles were laid out. And maybe these wise men didn't quite understand what the Messiah was going to do. But they presented these gifts to this king. They fell down, and the Bible says they worshipped him. You know why this is extremely important to us? Because how we worship declares and shows how much or who, or excuse me, how much or how we worship God shows how we value the one we are worshiping. Amen? How we are worshiping shows how much we value the one we are worshiping. The very center of worship stayed over there. But these people came on just a hunch. And they came down, they kneeled, and they brought their best gifts. Why? 
because they valued the one they were worshiping. Can you say amen to that? They valued the one they were worshiping. And folks, how much do we value the one we are worshiping? Do we bring to God our best? Do we bring to God our hearts? Or are we just bringing to God a form of religion? Folks, God wants us to understand something. Do we value him? Do we really value God? Then it should be seen in how we worship him. Can you say amen to that? Now we're going to do something very special, folks. I want you to understand something, that this is between you and Jesus. We're going to be doing our offering call at the very end, but you know what, folks? It's not about how much you give, it's why you give. Amen? God values the why more than he does the what. And when the why is right, the what will be right as well. Can you say amen to that? Folks, these wise men, all they had was simply a star that was shining in the sky, and they followed that conviction, and it led them to the Savior of mankind. We don't see any other connection that these wise men ever have with Jesus. But this one opportunity, they gave their hearts. They gave their hearts. One day these wise men are going to stand before the King of Kings and realize that they were worshiping more than just a man, more than just the Messiah, more than just the Son of God. They were worshiping the creator of the entire universe. How much do you value God? How much do you value God? Folks, I'm going to give you a time to pray and say, Lord, what worship can I bring to you at this very moment? Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, Lord, these men who understood very little of you and your mission still brought to you. The worship of their hearts. And God, we who have greater understanding and knowledge of the plan of redemption, of your intercession in heaven, of your soon return and the glories of heaven, and the promise that you would save us from our sins. Father in heaven, may our worship to you be just as valuable. The worship of our hearts. God, we pray that you would impress each person how you want them to worship you today. Thank you, Jesus. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.
www.audioverse.org.